0: back to the Stevie Fro podcast. This is episode 55. Today's guest is someone I've had the privilege to not only coach against uh, and watch play, but have followed his career into the coaching ranks all the way to the big job, the new head coach of the Holy Cross Indians, Casey Sorrell. How are you, sir?
1: Fro, I am happy to be here. I'm excited. I listen to, uh, as I told you, I listen to every episode when I'm cutting the grass. Uh, I think this is an awesome platform to learn about a lot of the names that i've heard about or people that i know and learn different things about their life i wouldn't otherwise know and that was
0: everything we wanted when we started the show yeah just to get to know the people because we're pretty closed a a closed community we don't people don't know a whole lot personally especially unless you're you know you put things out on social media or whatever but most of the time the coaches are um, pretty private about things casey is a graduate of simon kenton high school and played basketball collegiately at Division II Erskine College in South Carolina after playing four years with the Flying Fleet. Is that their mascot name? Yes, it is. And
1: uh, it's an interesting story about how we got that mascot name. Um, It had to do with football. So Erskine back in the day was a big football school. Um, And people down in South Carolina, they loved their football. And our campus was about 35 minutes from Clemson. And so I guess the teams back in the day in the like 50s and 60s, they never ran the ball. They always threw the ball. Oh. And so that's how we got the nickname. And I heard this somewhere, and I don't know that this is true, and I, I might have to look this up, but I heard that Erskine Flying Fleet was named one of the top five worst mascots in all of, the, of uh, NCAA uh, college athletics. Unless
0: you're – one of the flying fleet, which you have pride in. (laughs) Yeah. I read that that's a really old, um, what's it, an old liberal liberal arts college with a a religious background to Mm -hmm. that as well, right?
1: Yeah. So it's a Christian liberal arts college, small college. We probably had less than a thousand kids in the the school, uh, all undergrad. But as you mentioned, it's been around forever. I think Since the 1800s. I was going to say
0: it was like 140, 150 years or something like that.
1: Yeah, and there is a church affiliation. It's associated with the uh, uh, Presbyterian Church. Yeah. So. Hmm.
0: Well, after four years of playing with the fleet, he took his talents northeast to Rock Hill, South Carolina, to begin his coaching career at Winthrop University, where he spent two years before returning to northern Kentucky to be an assistant in the Covenant Catholic basketball program, where he coached for four years, including – with the 2018 state championship team now as he enters the big job he looks to put his own mark on a tradition rich program and a program that was very much part of his own family story as well so thanks for being here brother really excited for you first of all thank you it's a great it's a great honor number one to get that first job and it's hard you know the the journey to get there it's not as easy as you may think i mean it, you don't have to be the best player or the smartest guy or whatever, but. You know i think the one thing that and i'll say it like this you know i'm sure that there were many really good applicants i'm not familiar with that but i feel confident in saying that the administration at holy cross they knocked it out of the park with this one they, you know they hired a grinder a winner someone with ties to their community and just an overwhelmingly good human being to lead the program and i think those are very important characteristics for to be a head coach
1: yeah you know, you mentioned the ties to the Holy Cross, and, and it's interesting that I guess from being away for nearly 15 years, being away from that place for that long, I forgot how crazy those people are. Those people Crazy are, excited. Yeah. They're crazy, man. <laughs> like, they love that place. Yeah. And the support, the amount of people that have called me, text me, reach out to me. I mean, for I, I haven't been off my phone- since this whole process started. And you can ask my wife, I'm having trouble sleeping at night. Yeah. That's how excited I am.
0: And it's definitely something, too, with the small school community. Being from a small school community myself, I understand that, too. And especially the older schools or institutions that have been around, like a Newport Catholic, a Covington Catholic, a Newport High, a Holy Cross, um Simon Kenton, Dixie, there's a lot of pride. You know, I think one of the things with Scott High School was because it's a relatively newer school opening in the late 70s, there's not as much tradition. It's going, it still takes time, and I know that sounds dumb because it's been 43 years or whatever, but I'm a big fan of that. And I like tradition. I mean, I, I talk, I've talked about you spent four years at CuffCath. One of the things I loved about officiating football there was just the, the pageantry, Beachwood. Beachwood is another one of those schools. There's just pageantry there, and, and things are, there are events. Yeah. And Holy Cross is definitely one of those things, and I, I think you're going to be really excited.
1: You know, I think you bring up a great point. Um, one of the things that we want to do down at Holy Cross is, is we want to pack that place out. Mm-hmm. There should be butts in those seats on Tuesday nights and Friday nights. You know, I think we're going to put a really good product on the floor that people are going to be excited about, and I want butts in the seats. I want that atmosphere to be electric. And, you know, the ties of the community, my brother, in my opinion, Corey Sorrell is arguably one of the best players that's ever put on the Holy Cross uniform.
0: I coached coached against him, too. I was an assistant here when he was there. Really good. Really good. And really good at the next level as well. Yeah, I want to get to that in a little bit. It's okay. a good tie there too with with Erskine.
1: But but <laughs> yes, you're right, and that's an interesting story. But uh, of how Corey ended up at Erskine. But the one thing I'll say that that's crazy to me is Corey graduated in 2008. He has not been back in that gym since 2008. Hmm. He's going to be in that gym a lot. Yeah, and so are guys like great players, former players who are alumni: Scotty Bibbins, Jimmy Ryan, Cody Reardon, Jake Berger. You name it, they're coming.
0: Yeah. And again, talking about tradition, one of the things about having something like that, especially in a program with the the basketball program, having so much success over the years, getting people to come back is a big thing. I enjoy when we have alumni in the stands and when the kids come back or former players from years ago and, uh, like when we won Region 17, we had a pep rally and we had a bunch of former players come back from the 88-89 regional championship team. Love that yeah. because it's important for the kids to understand as well. The right. That's why we have the records and everything up. That way the kids can respect the history of the program and the people that came before it.
1: And one of the great things about early on in this process is, is the former players that have came back for me, former guys that I coached like – CJ Frederick, the first day on the job, CJ Frederick gets in his car and he drives an hour and a half from Lexington to be at our first open gym just to speak with my my guys on my behalf. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's awesome. You know that shows you what a great relationship, player coach relationship that we established. Yeah, it's a bond. And I said, CJ, just show your face, talk to the kids. I just want you to speak to them. He said, I'm staying the whole time. He goes, I'm so excited for you. You're going to do a great job, and I want every kid in that program to know what good hands they're in.
0: Mm-hmm. What the people in, in that community, what is something that um, they can expect? What What are your expectations at Holy Cross? Not b- besides filling it out and you know having a good environment. What ex- expectations do you have? Well, I
1: think, number one, I want to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to win, and I like to win championships. You've done that. For, oh, you know know how great that is. You know how special that is. Um, So that's a big part. You know, the first night that I had the job, I got the job in the morning. That night, they introduced me to the parents and players. And the very first thing that I said to all of them is I pointed to the back doors of the gym, and I said, folks, you see those doors? Those doors have been closed for way too long. This gym's now open for business. Your kids are going to be in this gym, and they're going to be working. And I pointed up to the rafters and I said, guys, 1994 was a long freaking time ago. A long time ago. It's time to hang a banner. And then I looked at Holtz and I said, Holtz, I want that banner at center court. If one day, maybe I'm crazy, but if one day we can go down and have the opportunity to play at Rupp Arena and get in the mix for a state title, and get that done. I want that banner at center court. Mm-hmm.
0: I was I had written down here. Uh, now that you're the head coach, the banners on the walls in that building, they'll haunt you because you always you will always look at them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but you can't let them distract you from your work. I told the story in one of the episodes that uh, the '88 '89 banner that hangs in our gym, that every time I would, when I was the freshman coach and the varsity coach, every time I would come on and off the court, I would look at it, just because it's right there going towards our locker room. And number one, I just kind of studied the names from the players, the statisticians, the um, support staff, and the coaches. I wanted to know more about them. It was something that the 11 years that I was the freshman coach, I didn't really pay much attention to, but as the you know, as the head coach, I always considered myself just the steward of the program because I will go or be fired, and someone else will come in, no different than your situation. You'll want to leave it better than you found it, right? So we before you before we went on, we talked about renovations and making things yours. That's part of the legacy of the program. Things that you can leave behind as well. Um, hanging banners is great, obviously, but it's, it's hard. hard it's hard <laughs> you know you're part hard. of three regional championship teams at covey to catholic a state championship team that is and regardless of what you may think or what anybody else thinks you hang that banner so i'm going imagine um i think i think you guys they would do like um like a ceremony right and they would mm-hmm. hang that the state championship how they have the yeah. final four the sweet 16 banner dude that haunts you because you want to feel that again, Mm -hmm. right? But it makes you want to work harder. And I can honestly say that after we hung our banner, which was two years after we had won it, um, but I was driven in a different way. I wanted to be better and take more responsibility over different things. Whereas I think that uh, the year after, I kind of felt that, We returned a lot of kids, so I didn't feel like I had to teach as much. Mm-hmm. And I regret that because of what we've really gone back to that every day. I think you get to a point where you're content with how you're doing it, but you realize after a certain amount of time that each group is differently. They're built differently. They're wired differently. And it, um, now that haunts me because I want to be able to put that kind of product out again as well and have that experience with the kids.
1: And that team was a minute away from going back yeah. that year.
0: Exactly. The next year. So, you know, I, I'm not going to say that we didn't do right, but I feel like if, if I had just done a, this a little bit different or that a little bit different, maybe the outcome would have been the same. So, I mean, you right. know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah. I mean, so much goes into it. Um, like you said, it's hard. Like yeah. I'm I'm sitting here talking to you about winning and winning championships and hanging a banner. And I know that sounds crazy. People are gonna think I'm crazy, but we can do it there. Yeah. Then we why can't. else
0: would you go for the job? Right? You're not gonna go there to not go to the regional tournament or not you know, you didn't take the job to not win the district and you know, win thirty games. Yeah. And,
1: and and we know what we're up against. Sure. We understand. It's a, it's the what toughest
0: th- district in North Kentucky, Barnum. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And
1: a tough region as
0: well. Yeah. Oh, brutal. We talk about that so much. It is brutal. It's nine, hard in to get out. Hour. It's hard to get out. Yeah. I mean, look at
1: even, you, even if,
0: the non district games.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you really look at the region over the last, the ninth region over the last 10 years, I mean, you've got, I don't know, Holmes has won a state title. Covenant Catholics won two. Cooper, Highlands did. just won. Highlands it. won. Cooper was knocking on the door. Newcastle
0: was, New four. Four. was in the final four. Newcastle was final four. Cath
1: was in the final four.
0: It's crazy, you know. what When I first got into coaching in t- uh, high school, coaching in two thousand, Northern Kentucky was like the sacrificial lamb. The ninth region was the sacrificial lamb in the state tournament. Mm-hmm. You would go down and maybe, maybe you would win a game. I think Cuffghath had a Gath had a couple years where they two thousand
1: four. And actually, yeah. Coach Mock, who I've I've hired back, he's going to be coming. He's been in, there a while. Yeah, he's going to be in his ninth season down at Holy Cross. He was. I believe the district or region MVP on the 2004 um, ninth region championship team that went to the final four yeah, loaded. Yeah. And if you want to know a crazy memory that I had, that was my first state tournament and the hair on the back of my neck stood up the whole time I'd be down there. Yeah. I mean, it was the coolest thing ever for me as a little kid. And that's really the team that started, you know, my dreams of, you know winning championships playing in the state tournament and also my coaching dreams as well you know it's a weird memory that i i can name every starting player on warren central's team from 2004 that beat cuff i can name all five starters that was 18 years ago
0: so you were probably like 11 or 12 yeah i think i was in about the fifth grade so you were becoming more self-aware obviously with age we become more self-aware with different things and you know, Whereas watching a game when you're 8, 9, 10, 11, it's just the game. You're just watching the game, right. but then all of a sudden you— It
1: honestly became yeah. an obsession. And, well, it's an, it. and it's an obsession that, I mean, heck, I'm almost 30 years old, and it, it won't go away. Mm-mm.
0: But that's Kentucky basketball. You know how many stories that I've heard like that over the years? It's the truth. Mm-hmm. I, perfect example. I was somewhere this weekend. I have no idea where I was. I don't even remember what I did yesterday, to be honest with you. I was somewhere this week. Oh, I was at Mason County, the the field house for there was a combine for the Region 10 and Region 16 players, and a young man who was on in my combine group. I had coached there with uh, in the combine. He is going to be a senior in high school. He came up and introduced himself and said, "I remember watching you coach and watching your team play in the 2017." Uh, state tournament so this kid's going to be a senior so whatever that was what is that so he'd have been 12 maybe 12 at the time too he said i can remember jake omer doing this doing that and i'm thinking you know where where else honestly outside of indiana before they classed basketball which destroyed indiana high school basketball the way that i look at it where else do you hear these stories where a kid that you have, you've never even heard of before, right? His name is Brady Bell, and he goes to, I think, Russell, Russell High School. Phenomenal, right? I was trying to recruit him. <laughs> I mean, this kid's a monster. He's just a stud, right? Um, I think I liked it more because he said, I, I enjoyed watching you coach and enjoyed watching your team. And I was like, hmm, you want to come yeah. up the road? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what
1: kid wouldn't look at the run that you guys had? on that team, yeah, and and, and what Jacob Omer did yeah. during that run. Well, I, mean, I mean, that's how kids begin this stream.
0: Dude, truth be told, before I came here, so I coached five years at Dayton, I didn't pay any attention to any of that shit, ever, just because I, we, were, we weren't going to make it out of the district. We were the sacrificial lamb for the first round of the district tournament mm-hmm. every year. We were the five seed. So it, it was not anything that was in the realm of possibility then i came here and all of a sudden the vibe was just different right um and in the first scrimmage that we did actually this guy we went to north laurel all right and they got a stud
1: down there now dude wow uh,
0: unbelievable so day before thanksgiving we are driving to or might have been to the, the day before that we were driving to north laurel and we were going down to scrimmage. So we did the freshman, then the JV, then the varsity. Um, The head coach at the time was Jim Conway, who was from Northern Kentucky. His son was in my combine group. He's going to be a senior. He was in my combine group Saturday. Just so funny how that works out. But going in there and just immediately just feeling a different vibe about things. Because again, I was the guy from Dayton. You know, I wasn't coaching basketball there. I was coaching. I was learning how to coach kids. And it was very important that that happened for me at a young. I, mean, I was twenty years old when I got hired because it was before you could. You had to be twenty one, and I immediately, when I came here, I realized I have to coach basketball. I don't have to coach kids, which was great for me because I had already had that and I had matured a lot about you know had been through a lot of things with with some of the situations we had had down there. Um, it made me a better coach. Then go going down to this deal. Just the scrimmage itself and being in that environment, you know, in the 13th region, a very difficult region, just a lot like the ninth region, you know, seeing the stuff on the walls, like, wow. And then we had our first game at Simon Kenton. We opened at Simon Kenton and our varsity assistant at the the head varsity assistant at the time looked at me and said, this is a great introduction to big school basketball. And it was not a shot at, hey, this this is a guy from Dayton. You know, they didn't win anything. It was not a shot at all. But it was um, it was just a it was a light bulb moment for me, and again looking to the right, seeing the state championship banner, you know, seeing the stuff in the uh, trophy case out there, I so I understand exactly where where you're at there. Um, it changed me at that point, so I was probably 24, maybe 25, getting ready to turn 25, and things became a lot different for me. That was kind of my wake up call. Because when I was in high school at Newport Catholic, I, mean, I only played two years of basketball at Newport Catholic. And while the program was really good, um, it was not a state tournament or bust type of situation. I never, the football team was more like that than the basketball program at the time. So I get it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you this. I think, you know, I sat down in my interview and the first thing that I said to, to Mr. Holtz was, I've been preparing for this opportunity my entire adult life, every decision that I've made, every place that I've gone, and probably 90% of the people that I surround myself with over those years have all been to prepare me for this. Mm -hmm. And, and, And I followed it up and I said, Mr. Holtz, it was never a matter of if, it was only a matter of when and where. And I'm telling you right here, right now is the place for me. Yes. And, and so, you know, it takes time. I'm only 29 years old. I am young. I got a lot to learn. I still have to grow, get better, develop. Um, But I'm going to lean on all of those experiences from Winthrop University, from Covenant Catholic. And I'm going to take what I like from all of them. And I'm going to try to become my own version Mm -hmm. of a head coach.
0: Yes. Well, and, you know, here's the thing. Play in Simon Kenton, and then you go and you play at Erskine. I don't know your head coach there. You know, you we could talk about that a little bit, but then you go to Winthrop. Pat Kelsey was head coach there. Pat Kelsey. Okay, and now he's at what college? Charleston. Is yes. that where he's at now? He he.
1: Um, they they won back to back Big South championships, so made two straight appearances in the ncaa tournament mm-hmm. and hopefully you guys picked them in your bracket even though i always did. pick winthrop in my bracket <laughs> they didn't pull up the ups- upset this year but i think they you know they were right there
0: um i pick winthrop for a different purpose i've been to rock hill okay i went to rock hill for one weekend it was a long weekend back in 03 02 something like that fell in love with it <laughs> right because you know I mean, you're always at you know you go to uc and then you go to UK to have a, you know, the party weekend or, the, or Louisville to see your friends. You know, I went to Northern, so you know, it was not – at the time, Northern was just Northern. And yeah. So when you go somewhere – Commuter college, Yeah. Right? When you would go somewhere else, it was like, oh, okay, this is how we do this here. And that one weekend I spent at Rock Hill, and I loved that place. So I had an affinity, and I spent two days doing things in and out of the arena there. So I had a different kind of connection with Winthrop, so that's why. That's,
1: why that's some small them. world stuff right it there, is.
0: man. Love that place. Yeah.
1: It, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful campus. Um, I didn't mean to get off on that. And, and, we can and, talk and, and about the, that later. The, but. The, the, town, the town of Rock Hill is great as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not bad living down in South Carolina and wearing a T-shirt in January and you know hitting the lake after work all summer long. I yeah. mean, there's lakes five minutes down the road from the Winthrop Coliseum. Yeah. So it's been a busy summer for you, right? been busy um uh, i got, got married, married. Wow. got married june 12th i got married to my wife hannah
0: yeah she's a win well von Handorf, right she's a von Handorf. So yeah you're just uh you're ready to you know you got any news for us
1: well um, <laughs> not yet not yet Ho- hopefully not yet you, but, but you um, may have
0: some news after leave this place we got you know jeremy just had yeah. a little girl
1: so you mentioned covenant catholic <laughs> earlier and and i like um, how he
0: just skirted that either. yeah <laughs>
1: I don't know what to say to that question. I don't really have an answer I hope for your wife doesn't listen. But, uh, you know, one thing about Covcath is won a lot of games, won a lot of championships. Yeah. Coached 12 kids at Kovkath that played at the college level uh, during those four years. That's pretty good.
0: And but you the, coach on a staff that, you know, under the head coach that knows the game, knows absolutely. how to teach it. He works.
1: Absolutely. And he's a and great person. And the staff too. And he's a great person. Yes. And there's nobody better, in my opinion, that I could have learned from and continued to develop my coaching philosophy mm-hmm. and my coaching style from than Scott Rusatz at the yeah. high school level. I mean, opportunity of a lifetime. But the, the number one great thing that came from Covcath was my wife. Yeah. I got a wife out of that deal.
0: We've got an assistant coach that married the sister of a player as well so maybe that's a that's a good sign it was it was a setup job was it
1: Uh, yeah her mom and uh some of her friends kind of put the full court press on me and And little uh,
0: did you know you were winning the lottery
1: yep she's great she's she's smart she's you know she's beautiful um i call her my secretary oh okay because she organizes. good luck with that (laughs) she organizes every area of my life i mean she's unbelievable
0: isn't it funny how people come into your life and it just, like, the piece fits. Right. That's what it sounds like there. Yeah. So how's the married thing going? You loving it?
1: It's good. It's, it's been great. Uh, my sister also got married over the summer, so it's, it's sort of been a busy summer for us, like bachelor parties and uh, weddings. and It's been busy, but it's yeah. been good.
0: And how's your family? Family's great. So you got family's close great. family, too. Like, my family's not like that. Very Two close. Two boys, a girl.
1: Yep. Uh, Very um, similar in age, too. Yeah. Mom and dad are doing great. Um, they're hard workers. That's where I get my character from my morals, my values. I mean, they're my DNA, Mm -hmm. you know, um, my sister's an assistant principal at Turkey foot. So she knows a thing or two about being a leader. She's someone I can lead on, uh, for advice. And then my brother, Corey, um, Is married. He's got a he's got a little boy who's uh, three years old named Camden. Uncle life is the greatest. Yeah, I'm. uh, Camden's going to be a future Holy Cross Indian, and I hopefully Corey's going to start getting some shots up with him. Like we got to start that process now.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. I used to buy my nephew a basketball when when he was (laughs) he was born. Yeah, I would like put a basketball in his little thing or crib or I don't know what you call that thing. Take a picture of it. Be like just you know setting the tone. So. Let's start a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the Simon Kenton days. Okay. You know, here's the one thing, and you know you don't have to talk about it if you want to, but I'm going to put you on the spot here. You started that at Holy Cross, right?
1: Uh, I went to Holy Cross for the middle school. I went for my freshman year at Holy Cross, and ultimately the reason I left is mom and dad built a house. Is it Walton, Walton right? Yeah, way That's out in thought. Walton, kind of out in, out in the middle of nowhere, but they built a house out on our family farm. My grandparents have over 100 acres out there, and uh, so... Ultimately, it's a forty-minute yeah, it drive to get to Holy Cross, as opposed to a fifteen-minute drive to Simon Kenton.
0: Well, I mean, I mentioned earlier that you have ties there, so it just kind of fit in there.
1: Yeah, mom's in the Hall of Fame. My mom's a Hall of Fame basketball player there. There you go. Grandma went there. Uh, aunts went there. I mean, a lot of families going through Simon mm-hmm.
0: Kenton. Simon Kenton days. Enjoy it. They were good. good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I love that place too. Yeah, you know, uh, Trent Trent Steiner played for the guy that's still there.
1: Yeah. Coach Steiner's tough. He, he wasn't easy to play for. Um, You know, he, he held you accountable. His, his coaching style was very intense, very in your face. Um, And I joke with him still, like he's, he's sometimes that little voice in the back of my head that I hear on certain things. Like one of the things I do in my free time is I like to, to lift weights. I got a garage gym at home and I can hear Steiner's voice in the back of my head telling me to finish the rep or to not be soft (laughs) and uh, it helps push me through but here's what I'll say about Coach Steiner he's done a lot for my family you know about the KAS scrimmages that we've done for 12 years Steiner's there early in the morning and late at night and he gives up his whole day and he loves doing it and he loves doing it because he's helping not only me but my family and I think, I think that's
0: awesome. I love the Kelsey Sorrell scrimmages. I hated that we didn't have them last year. I heard that we're not having them this year either. Is that right? Is it just? Uh, a, just I need s- to
1: figure that one yeah. out, yeah. I need and to you, figure that you've out. You've
0: kind of taken the lead with that last several years as well. I have. I think I, this is what I like the most, number one. And uh, your Uncle Steve, basketball coach at Covenant Catholic for nearly 40 years right
1: he's steve has been there since the 70s and the joke i make about steve is is he's like a cockroach yeah and and people were like kind of look at me like what do you mean he's a cockroach and the reason i say he's a cockroach is because like if the the place burned down or you know something crazy happened he'd be rising from the ashes like i'm still here yeah. baby yeah. and i ain't leaving
0: and steve and i coached freshmen against each other for years and always a good friend and um a memorial for their daughter was one of the one of the things they do besides like the, the golf outing and stuff like that? They do would do a day of basketball scrimmages, and so that started. I think it was 08,
1: 2008. And, and
0: we've played in it every year. I love it. And what I was going to say is the one of my favorite things about it, and I've told Steve this forever, um, is that it's a family event too. It may be at Covington Catholic, but it is pretty much run by you know Terry and Steve. Lori and Tommy, you know, and the kids as well. I mean, you were the still whole in thing. high school.
1: The whole thing. Yeah,
0: you still in high school when that. And I believe Trevor was still in high school too when when all that had started. In, in fact, you're right. Because yeah. the
1: first KAS scrimmages, uh, Trevor was a senior at CuffCath, and I was a junior at Simon Kenton. And Simon, we played each other mm-hmm. in the first scrimmage. as yeah. kind of the nightcap for the event.
0: Yeah, and I've told Steve uh, probably a dozen times, my favorite part of... During the Kelsey Sorrell scrimmages is walking in the door and seeing Terry there always greeting the kids. I love that because you could tell how important it is to her, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's personal to her. And while she may not have her daughter for that day, she's got all these other sons, you know, right. because that, that's how much, that's how much passion and joy that's on her face. And, right. and there are, there have been days where you could tell it was hard, mm-hmm. very hard. It is hard. Yeah. But, um just the overwhelming joy that that day brings. And I couldn't imagine this the prep leading up to that. And I'm sure that got gets exhaustive, but you know, you walk in, she's greeting you at the door, your parents are in the concession stand where you know, so I, I get it and I respect that. And I mean, even when you started I mean, I don't know wanna say setting a schedule, but I mean it would be a call like, Don't forget us. Yeah. Because it's that important to me that and you know what
1: everyone's that
0: way i I believe it it. everyone's that way and i want to do it to help my friend and his family that is why it's important to me not because we're driving down the street but i want to be a part of that because steve is my friend and um and it's a great experience for your kids because before we leave the kids understand the situation yeah, and what what the tournament it's is bigger the, than the It's bigger is, than it basketball. It's they bigger. know the situation, and that is important to me. It's um, just a you know you have respect for the event in itself. So I, I hate that we lost that last year, but you know I understand why. It was just so, just only so much you can do. Yeah. So how did the Erskine stuff set up? You know what. <sighs> Erskine was
1: God's plan for my life. There's no doubt about it. There's absolutely, if if I'm sure on anything in my life, it's that right there, that Erskine was God's plan for my life. And the reason why uh, froze, I had one scholarship offer. One. A full ride to Erskine, and they were all about me from day one. And they never, they waited on me till after my senior season to make a decision. And I tried to find every reason I could not to go eight hours away from my family and friends to play at that small school. Mm. But it was an opportunity I could not pass up.
0: Is it true that Trent told me that, um, I guess the coach saw you hit a game winner and, uh, was like, "Mm, like this kid.
1: So what happened (laughs) was we were playing in an AAU tournament in Myrtle Uh beach. And I'll be totally honest with you. It was the best three games that I played maybe in my whole life. That's why I say again, God's plan, you know, um, and they, they called me and they offered me right away. And we went down and visited in the fall. And I was blown away with the place. It's, it's like we mentioned with some of these special places like a Cath or a Holy Cross or a Simon Kenton or a Scott, name the place, Beachwood Newcath, wherever. The same love, same passion, same, same family atmosphere was obvious when we made that visit. And then later on in the process, after my season, I went down and I played an open gym with them. And again, it was like I became a different player. I mean, it was unbelievable. And so right after that, I, I committed to Erskine because there was just no doubts.
0: Mm-hmm. Was it hard to be away?
1: It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, and I have no problem admitting this. I probably spent the first week of that experience kind of laying in bed and, and, and looking up at the ceiling crying because when my parents dropped me off, I didn't know one person within eight hours of there. That was tough, and it was very scary.
0: You mentioned something in there. Um, like, I had a similar experience and it was the greatest thing I ever did just to fight through, right? Because it set up the rest of my life, mm-hmm. and it's similar for you.
1: I wanted to come home in December, and my mom said, nope. Yeah. Nope, you're staying. And, and, and I did, and really that second half of my freshman year is when I was like, dude, it'll take the South Carolina National Guard to get me out of here because I ain't leaving. I love this place How beyond uh, basketball.
0: And that's good because, in the end, you've made life friends right. and had experiences.
1: I just got married in June, yeah. and, and pretty much my wedding party are, are people from, from Erskine, a lot of them.
0: Yeah. How did you get your brother to go there? See, it's a and great Mikey story. Gabbard, too, and Mikey, right? Mikey
1: Gabbard, who's a stud high school player yeah, at Boone, 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 Boone
0: County. County back in
1: the day. Wow. So good. It's a very, very interesting story. So, um, Corey ultimately was not happy with his situation at Northern. Um, he signed with them early in high school. He went there as a freshman. He redshirted. As a sophomore, he was a starter. As a, as a, uh, or sorry, as a redshirt freshman, he was a starter. As a redshirt sophomore, He was kind of a part-time starter, and then really the second half of the year kind of things went rock bottom for him in that situation, and he wasn't happy. And at the same time that Corey's telling me, I think I'm going to quit basketball. I think I'm done. I don't enjoy it. I'm miserable. Mikey Gabbard calls me, and he goes, hey, you know, there's a new coach. There's a coaching change down here. At the time, he was playing at Western Kentucky. And he goes, I don't think I'm going to get my scholarship back. I mean, what do you think of your situation? I, I think I want to play D2 because I don't want to sit out. And so what I did, and this was one of the, the smoothest moves I've ever made in my life. I called Mikey, and I called Corey, and I set up for both of them to come and have a visit at Erskine on the same weekend. Mikey did not know Corey was coming, and Corey did not know Mikey was coming. And I had the whole thing planned out. I had Coach's credit card. I showed him a great time. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the weekend, we're sitting on my bed in my dorm room, and, and it was one of those things, like Mikey looked at Corey, and Corey looked at Mikey, and, and Corey said – I'm in if you're in. And Mikey said, let's do it. And we got them both down there. How yeah. cool is that?
0: Uh, it's amazing. It's honestly. unbelievable. And, and then, you know, I was what I was going to say is that, um, like, the freshman year for you probably wasn't what you had envisioned. And that in itself has been a good life lesson. You go somewhere and you have to earn your position, earn your role and your minutes. And on top of that, a little homesick as well. Yeah, And then – you get the reinforcements come in, and in your sophomore season, it looked like you were playing some of the best basketball that yeah. you would ever played in your life. I had a,
1: you know what? I had a really, really good freshman and sophomore uh, year down there. I was, a, I was a starter, really. I mean, I never came out of the games. Um, I wouldn't say I was a star by any means, but I, I was more of like an eight-point-per-game role. Eight yeah. role player. Yeah. And uh, I got recruited over by a guy named Rod Perkins, and let me tell you something. It's night and day. That guy's way, way better than me. So my role changed as a junior and senior, and that was tough to accept. I was bitter about it. I was angry about it. I didn't fully understand it at the time the way I see it now, especially having been on the coaching side of things. But a funny story is at the end of, so I played two years with Corey and Mikey, and and I mentioned a guy named Rod Perkins. Uh, Rod Perkins was the number two leading scorer in the entire country in Division II as a sophomore. He scored like 1,200, maybe 1,400 points by the end of his sophomore season. So you brought up Pat Kelsey, and and I'm negotiating my way with Pat Kelsey to try to get on his staff. I'm banging down his door to get on his staff. And I'm like, hey, I got this dude that I play with, He trusts me. He trusts everything I say. You need to recruit him. Yeah, And and so about two weeks after I graduated from Erskine, I pull up to the Winter Coliseum, me and Rod Perkins. He came with me. How cool is that? That's amazing. Yeah. And he had a great career there. I mean, he was a starter there. He wasn't a Uh 28-point-per-game scorer. I understand that. But he was a starter, and he was a starter on another NCAA tournament team.
0: But it's still another connection that you've made, and something that benefited you in the end. Well, also, you know what? It takes a lot of humility to look at yourself and say, eh, "Guys, just a little better." It, yeah, it's and, a and lot I of knew I
1: knew it at that time. I just I wouldn't say that I. It wasn't your plan. It, it wasn't yeah. your plan. Yeah,
0: dude, it, you shouldn't accept. Ever. Yeah, it should make you work that much harder. Uh, we we talked about something like that. Um, not I don't know how many podcasts ago, but. You know, there are kids now – I was with Kevin Gray. Kevin Gray is the baseball coach at Beachwood. He just went back to the state tournament again um, with a bunch of kids that are younger, and they played over the older kids, right, yeah. and especially not having a season last year. So they a lot of the young kids leapfrogged him. And I told him, and it's something that I've noticed in the last couple years too, while the older kids may not accept the fact that the younger kids are better – or they're playing over them their their self-awareness of damn he's good is much more apparent now mm-hmm. and uh i i like that because it's just i think it makes us for a smoother situation but it also makes those kids work a little bit harder they lead a little bit better or they become toxic and they go mm-hmm. or you have to get rid of them Right, I mean that's happened. I mean that happened. That happens here. I'm sure you have dealt with it at Covenant Catholic. Like you will deal with it at Holy Cross or and wherever your career takes you. um But there is a little bit back when we were kids and the situation that you were in. Yeah, that guy ain't better than me. He ain't gonna play over me. So you know you can be the poison pill or you can just keep on going. And I mean I saw that. No, you know no offense, but I saw how the numbers had dwindled. After that, first, especially at the sophomore year, yeah. had dwindled down a little bit. But there were some other things that,
1: that that contributed to that. I, you know, I had a, I broke my navicular bone on my foot like four times in about five or six years, and it's like an eight now or twelve what week recovery. Is. Yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> the literally. little it's the little ball on the inside of your foot, no. and it would just pop off. Or no reason. I figured
0: there had to be some kind of injury or something,
1: but that wasn't the reason. Mm. I was simply playing behind better players.
0: So let me let me ask you this then. As it relates to coaching, did maybe having some time off or you know your role receding a little bit give you some time to kind of watch from the side instead of being on the court did that maybe fuel a little bit of your desire to coach?
1: You know one of the ways that I kept myself in check and engaged was I start when I would be on the bench and I'd be sitting there. I would start coaching the game in my head mm-hmm. as if I was our head coach and the decisions that I would make. And I loved it. To be honest with you, as a player, I always wanted to be the coach. I always wanted to coach over
0: playing any day. That's amazing. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Too. <laughs> it doesn't always work out that way. But now you'll get to be able to but you have to go you have
1: to go through the playing experience to get to the coaching part. And I think the playing experience, you know, playing in high school, playing at a at a pretty competitive level in college that prepares me to relate to these kids now. Agreed. You know, but relationships are huge. I can better understand how they think, how they feel, what their bodies might be feeling like. And those Things are fresh in my mind because it really wasn't that long ago for me. Again, mm-hmm.
0: I'm young. When did you know you wanted to, I, I don't want to say be a GA, was there, was there something that led to that? Were you looking to maybe get a master's or something? That- I think another
1: thing was another God plan for me. Yeah. I'm wor- I went up with my brother, um, and I don't know if you know these two names, you probably do, Paul Cluxton yeah, and North. Walt Kelsey. And I love Paul Cluckson and I love Walt Kelsey. So they, I would always work their improved basketball camp. They would do an improved basketball camp on the east side and one on the west side of Cincinnati back to back weeks. And that was, that was a money grabber for me, you know, when I would be home for the summer in college. And I don't know if people know this about Kels, but Kels walked away from Xavier and he took a year off. There was a, a, a gap year between him being the associate head coach at Xavier and being named the head coach at Winthrop, and during that gap year, that summer, he came and he worked um, both of those camp improves, and we built a relationship. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something: I never worked harder or tried to put on a better show than I did it, you know, to impress him. Yeah. And and then obviously I, you know, I I put on the full court press to for him. And it it was a year-long process. We stayed in touch. Obviously, I mentioned, you know, bringing that Rod Perkins kid with me was not, that that certainly helped, I think, helped my situation. But, you know, it was a really good match.
0: Did you learn a different type of grind being a GA?
1: The GA life is tough. Number one, you know, those administrative positions on college basketball staffs, graduate assistant, director of basketball operations, video coordinator, And then I'll even include your manager staff in that. That's kind of a staff within a staff. Those are not glamorous jobs. You know, you don't get to do the fun parts of the program. You're doing the trench work and you're grinding. And so what I'll tell you about, you know, the Winthrop days was it was 80, 80 hours a week. We did 80 plus hour work weeks every single week. And we probably worked 360 out of 365 days a year. I mean, it was all day, every day, all hoops, all hoops. And I've told, if I've said this once, I've said it a thousand times, I learned more in two years under Pat Kelsey than I have learned in all my other years of life combined. It was basketball, business, recruiting, marketing, relationships how to network you name it i learned it
0: mm-hmm. and the other thing but the 80 hour weeks you want to impress the man you don't yeah. want the man who gave you the opportunity you don't want to let him down yeah which obviously followed you at to cuff gath and which will follow you to holy Grounds.
1: one of the greatest compliments that i've ever gotten from anyone came from kels and and kelsey has the same line that he uses if people bring up my name it's the same line every time he said casey was the easiest person to know that he was working hard because all you had to do was look at his hands. His hands would be calloused and bloody. And this was sort of a running joke from my time at Winthrop. This is, this is an honest, <laughs> honestly, what my, my hands were, they were cut up. They were calloused. They were bleeding all the time. And like people, the guys, guys on the staff, the players, they, everybody made fun of me. But it shows you how hard I was working. Because I'd be in that gym eight hours a day. I told Kels one time, I'm not really an office guy. I kind of got too much energy to just sit here all day. I'm going to go work these dudes out, and I'm going to make sure every kid in this program works
0: out every day. But that's what every program needs, that one person that does that. I agree. And I they're agree. the hardest to find because it's it's grueling work. Right. I mean, it even is. here. It's tough. You know, People want to get in the gym. I I let them do their own thing. But if I would have to do I – mean, it would burn me out to do all that. Right. And I like the – I like the office stuff. I like the, the behind the scenes things that need to get done that people don't realize need to be done, mm-hmm. which you're going to find out here real soon.
1: Oh, I uh, understand. There's there's way <laughs> it's more hard. There's way more that goes into it than the practices yeah. and the games and the workouts. I mean, there's so much more that goes into to building a championship mm-hmm. level program.
0: Were you ready to come home or ready to get out of the college life or just did that ex- just expire? Or was that just the end of the road? You know, <laughs> I,
1: I'll give myself credit for making a pretty mature decision at the age of 24 of looking at guys like Brian Kloman, Mark Prosser, um, you know, guys that had families, guys that were husbands and dads. And I looked at the lifestyle of like the traveling, like I said, 80-hour work weeks and traveling on top of it. That's time away from your wife. That's time away from your kids. And I just had my doubts. And, you know, kind of like we talked about at the beginning of this whole thing is I love high school basketball. I love the state tournament. My biggest coaching dreams were to, were to coach a team in the state tournament and win it. Yeah. That's my
0: biggest dream. And that's what will fuel you. Right. And you yeah. got a great opportunity, and we talked a little bit before about CuffCath, but you've you got a great opportunity to come back and get a spot in there but you had to earn it. Yeah. You, know, you got it just because you, you get on. It didn't mean you, you keep it. You got to
1: roll with it. I and did. they
0: were coming off of a state tournament or a state championship uh, a couple years before that. So expectations were high from within, I would imagine their staff as well as in the community to do work.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, you know, you, you, I had been to, at the time we would do like some freshman meetings or a camera remember do whatever, but, On Sundays, like the freshman tournament, like you guys are in there working out. Always. Yeah. It it goes back to what I... Absolutely just grinding.
1: It goes back to what I told the parents and players down at Holy Cross a couple nights ago. The gym is open for business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Scott's a hard worker. Yeah. He's a hard worker. His gym's open. And that's why those kids
0: get better. What did you learn? let's do this. Learning from... Coaches, you know, you mentioned take a little something from Trent, take a little something from your college coach, take something from Pat, take something from Scott. What is it, what do you think the most important lesson is that you're going to take with you, the Holy Cross?
1: How to treat people. Pat Kelsey taught me that. And I'll have to watch it because I'll tear up. But So there was a time in the summer going into my second year on staff that I was eating peanut butter sandwiches like every day for lunch. Kels walks into my office one day and he goes, he goes, dude, what's up with you and the peanut butter sandwiches? And he's like, it's getting kind of weird. Are you on some sort of diet? And I go, no, coach, I'm, I'm broke. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, I said, well, the GA checks, they stop in May as, as soon as school's out. And then I don't get my check again until August so I'm living off my camp money right now, but I got to pay rent and I got to put gas in my car. I got to do all these other things. And he pulls out his wallet and he hands me his credit card. And he said, keep that in your, in your wallet. Anytime you're hungry, anytime you need a lunch or a dinner, use my credit card. Only thing I ask is like, don't be going on dates at Roost Chris every night. And I'm like, that's a deal. I can, I can handle that. But think about that. Think about what he did for me and how much that meant to me at the time. It meant the world to me. It kept me happy. It kept me grinding. It made it sustainable for me. Mm-hmm. And and that's the reason I promise you this is no lie. I'm looking you right in the eyes right now. I would jump in front of a bullet for Pat Kelsey. A bullet without hesitation.
0: And now that you're the head coach, You want to instill that within your kids, in your program.
1: I want everyone around me to be happy, to have fun, to be excited, to be passionate. It's the parents, it's the players, it's my staff, it's the community, it's the students at Holy Cross, and the big one, the alumni. Mm -hmm. And I'm calling on all the alumni. If any alumni are listening right now, Get your butt back to that gym. We need you. Well, I said earlier,
0: they hired a world-class human being. Yeah. And I learned. <laughs> no, it's fine. But I've learned a long, long time ago through this business that the way you treat people goes a long way. I, the way you treat people's kids goes an even farther way. Right. If I can keep many people at an arm's length or, you know, the gym is packed. I may walk on the other side of the gym to avoid yeah. any kind of you know personal contact it's not a it's a defense mechanism yeah it's something that you learn over time because everybody wants a second of your time, but when it comes to the kids you you treat them that way, mm-hmm. and some of the small shit that may be a big deal in some places is not a big deal, right because they know in the end you have the best just, you know, you're making the best decisions for their son and for the team. Right. A and, and
1: not only do I want to treat them good, but you know, we want to make them better people. And I, and one thing that I stole from Kels is, is the old ABCs. Everybody knows their ABCs, academics, basketball, and character and characters, huge, especially when you're trying to build a culture and you're trying to get everyone on board and everybody rowing in the same direction. And wh- I want to share one thing. And I, I, uh, I wrote this down because this conversation happened right before I walked out from the back of the altar for my wedding back in June. And I, was ta- I was talking to Father Hennigan. Do you know Father Hennigan I don't at all? Know. So Father Hennigan, he's the Michael Jordan of being a priest. Like he's the best priest in the country. I talked to Pat Ryan the other day. You no know Pat? Oh yeah and he described Father's movement down at Holy Cross, his church as a renaissance. That's what he called it. And I said, Mr. Ryan, it's just getting started. But I wanna share something with you, and this is almost a direct quote. I could be just a little bit off. But this is what Father Hannigan said to me right before we walked out for my wedding. He said, I wanna put people in the seats I want to pack that place out and start a movement. I want the same things for the church that you want from your basketball programs. He said, brother, I'm telling you, it's all about the youth. I have to reach the youth to start a movement and make that place grow. You know, I love sports. I enjoy sports. That is a platform to minister the youth without them ever knowing they are being ministered. So when he's, I mean, literally, we're about to walk out. Forgot I was getting married because I was all ears. And that dude's at Holy Cross now. He's at Holy Cross. So I got the Michael Jordan priest in my corner. I'm a basketball coach. I'm a teacher. I'm not a minister. But I got the best minister around, and hopefully he's going to be in our gym. Hopefully he's going to be on our sidelines in ministering those kids. I want a world-class high school basketball experience that you can't find anywhere else with the Michael Jordan of priest ministering my kids. Mm-hmm. They're teachable moments.
0: Right. And they're not coming from a parent. They're not coming from a coach they're coming from somebody else. Right. And in a private school, a like Catholic school, you would think that those words would have more weight. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, How is the staff's hiring going on? You had mentioned.
1: Uh, so I've, you know, I have some feelers out there. I have some ideas in mind. It's as you know, when you when you start ground zero day one, there's so much. There's so much to kind of you want to get out ahead of. I'm not quite there yet on, on in terms of like final. It's not a rush. Yeah,
0: it's not a rush. Don't rush. Yeah, find the people that are right for you. That's what we want. We want find.
1: We want to find the right fit yeah. for our program.
0: Build people around you that are going to share in the same in the same mission and you know mm-hmm. you can finish each other's sentences or it's okay to you know or to have dinner together right, right with each other's families and be able to you enjoy their company right but that you trust them right that they're not out at the bar talking behind your back or undermining you to kids or anything else that's a, and i love that what we have here with that right so i
1: mentioned Stephen muck earlier Stephen muck will be coming back for his ninth season he really loves holy cross uh and it's so obvious the relationships he has with Man. those kids. I mean, every kid. Uh, and then another name that you'll probably recognize um, that I hired as our freshman coach is uh, Cooper Theobald. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Coop is coming uh, to us. He, the last couple of years he's been you know, working, coaching on the AAU circuit, coaching some youth teams, and, and worked on the side as a personal trainer. So he's going to be big for skill development. But that's a really good player yeah. to have on your staff. Coop was uh, won two regional championships at CuffCath. He was a part of the 2014 state championship team at CuffCath. And then he had an unbelievable career at Transylvania. He was a four-year all-conference player, made the all-conference team all four years, scored over 1,000 points, um, and then was named an All-American in his senior season. He's a Division III All-American a really good player Mm -hmm. to have you know on your staff working with your kids
0: you need to have good person at freshman level Mm -hmm. so important number one keeps the kids in your program and it makes them it gets them ready the the last thing that you want is to have kids come in over the summer between their freshman and sophomore year and have to reteach everything
1: right and the other thing is i want young passionate hungry energetic people that want to be in the gym fiery and Coop, Coop's all yeah. about being in the gym.
0: It's the same thing that I said. And you want people that want to be coaches. Mm-hmm. And they're not afraid to put in that work.
1: Yeah. And he, uh, you know, Coop came to me. He sought me out. And uh, I'm glad he did. What's next for the summer? You know, we've done a couple workouts, some open gyms, and... Um, I told our guys, look, I kind of just need to see you in live action, get up and down, play a little bit. Let me learn about you. I don't even know their names yet, hardly, uh, and I'm bad with that. But uh, <laughs> you will. <laughs> I, well, I, I'm the I'm the teacher that it takes me until yeah.
0: like after. It's Chris, not personal. I, after, I understand <laughs> what you're saying. It's just, after Chris. Some are like that.
1: I'll get the attendance roll call figured out, but. Yeah.
0: Um, so I, I used, used to need call to, I used to call kids new guy. Well, I mean that like like I had that problem too. Like a hey, new guy, like I would forget. Yeah, it was just how it was.
1: So you know we want to get in the gym. We like I said, I want to open that gym back up. I want to I want to get uh, some really good skill development in place. Open gyms, let them play live. I mentioned bringing back alumni. We've had big name people in our gym. von Handorf was there last night. guarding Jacob Meyer, making him a better player, mm-hmm. really challenging him, really pushing him. Uh, C.J. Frederick, when he comes back from his leg injury, that dude's going to be in our gym. Nick Thielen. Start naming the guys that I coach. They're going to be there. Hopefully. I hope. I'm sure um, there will. And then the big thing is, we kind of were talking about this before we went live on the air here, is facilities. i, I got to find money to, to renovate in a locker room, and I want to gut the whole thing. That's a lofty goal. That's not going to be easy. Um, I want to touch up you know, the gym facilities. I want to improve that. Um, the big thing this week for me is I want to outsource strength and conditioning. I want to find someone who can be, you know, who's more of an expertise in that area. That's the best thing that we ever did here. That was outsourced. It was strength and conditioning. Literally
0: the first act of business on the day that I got hired. Yeah, right, right. It's it's a high
1: priority item. Um, and the other thing it does is it gives the kids a different voice, a break from hearing my voice or Coach Muck or, or Coach Theobald gives us a break or gives the kids a break, and, and that's important.
0: What are you looking forward most about getting October?
1: I look forward to the practices. Yeah. Uh, You'll for, enjoy for it. A, you're a film guy. We've been yes. trading, we've been trading yes. film for years. years. Um,
0: I love film. I mean, much more so than being a person. <laughs> I you agree. Girl. I totally agree with that. I didn't like the late nights and then trying to. Did you get that? Did you get that? Yeah, I hate that. The,
1: the rewind buttons is, is a nice feature. True, so, you know, I get that I can really, really break things down through film. Um, I've been watching film till till my eyes bleed on this team. You know, I finally got access to the huddle account. I'm watching games from last year, and games that's from the valuable
0: taken over program. Right, just being able to see that,
1: right. And I'm I'm able to learn about the guys and figure out where they are developmentally, um, and where they need to get to. Mm-hmm. I'm studying them. I mean, I'm I'm like full season grind right now in terms of film.
0: Yeah, I'm really hopeful that we stay away from any kind of COVID restrictions.
1: Man, I hope uh, it just. I'm, I'm tired. And of I was it. thinking
0: about that this morning when I was driving out here. That you know you're going into your first year in dealing, you know, coming off of what we just went through, you know, there are people that that was just too much for. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, there, there have been some guys step away in the area, not just North Kentucky, and that was a big reason for that too, just to, to think about having to do another year of that. And I thought we were on the other side. I really did. But, I mean, the way things are.
1: I certainly hope so. Yeah, you know,
0: it'll be hard. Yeah, especially when you're just just trying another to,
1: thing to navigate that you yeah. just hope you don't have to deal with.
0: We we had a, we were practicing one day, and this was after I'd had my second vaccine, and I had taken my taken my neckator down, and one of our juniors was like, "That's the first time I've seen your face all year." <laughs> I'm serious. I'm being dead serious.
1: Hey, you know that's that's with Coach Listerman's <laughs> helmet. I, oh. I just got a kick out of that. But Dude. but the intent behind it was actually you know very smart
0: yeah i gave him a lot of hell about that (laughs) he brought it here and all of its funkiness uh, when when he and mike came on
1: it was interesting engineer job there
0: you know here's the other thing you've had you've had so much time to um you were in a role at cuffcat too we mentioned the film a lot of people that that is a good way to connect with people Mm -hmm. right and from my side Obviously, it was never a no. It was we were always had an open relationship with whatever, and I can tell you that in the five years that I've been head coach, whatever it is, you know, I'll give film to anybody. Um, I did deny it once, but that was for a different reason. But I'm down with it, and that's the other thing. You people, if you're good, to the people in the in the coaching, they'll be great to you, Mm -hmm. because you already have that. You know, step down so, or you've already had that established, which is which is really good for you, especially right. as a, you know at a young age, you know, thirty years old to get the big job, yeah, it's mean, something one, you can do.
1: One you know. of the one of the best parts about the Covcast situation was the fact that Coach Russats he allowed me to coach so much, and I respect him so much for that. You know, you talk about being prepared for this opportunity. If if he runs his program as dictator or boss. I'm not ready. I'm ready because he allowed me to coach. He gave me the opportunity to coach. And I'm so appreciative of that.
0: Yeah. There's a saying, something like, um, give the man the tools and he will build you what you need or something. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's the truth. We let our people coach.
1: Yeah. Got to coach. Uh, oh, you got an idea in the timeout? Here, take that's the marker. It. Oh, I mean. I'd be, that's 100% yeah. true.
0: Bro. I'm telling you right now, this is God's honest truth. Seventeen, we are in the regional finals. There is, we were winning the whole game, and then Campbell County came back. I, I don't even know how much time was left in this game, but we had gone down, and then we were making a run before we before we had won it at the end, and it was the last time out underneath before the um, before the final play. And the Stapleton, shot. Stapled, the yeah, it was before that. It was uh-huh. played before that. Chris Staple. Till so we had called a timeout. Chris Staple had said, "Run this," and I handed him the board and said, "Draw it up,
1: Yeah, Scott will do that because
0: that is that is he. People are. I'm not good at that. That's not what I do. Um, we joke now that you know he's the offensive coach and I coach the defense. So of course, when you lose a game, it's my fault. But um, and, and in the state tournament, I'm telling you right now, I handed that clipboard off more times than. I actually used it. It's okay. And it has been the same, you know, Alex Marksberry, who's now helping Trent. Give him the clipboard during years, draw it up. Right. Go ahead. It's good for the kids to hear other voices because when the time comes, and we look, we've coached groups here in the past that if somebody besides Brad tried to talk, you're going to get an eyes rolled or, you know, and even me too, in the first the first couple of years, you know, you had some of that residual stuff. Um. You know, if it didn't come out of my mouth, I didn't feel like the kid were was respecting that mm-hmm. now they did over time it took it that that takes time, yeah, I think there there's a a familiarness to it, and you know they've got to be comfortable too mm-hmm. and kids are just different, whereas when you were playing or when I was playing, you know god forbid if you know if it didn't come from that guy, yeah. I wasn't going to pay attention one
1: of one of Kels's uh signature lines back in the the Winthrop days was I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. I just have to be surrounded with it, the smartest room. And I think that kind of speaks to exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have all the answers. I oh, don't oh you're not going to. I, I need to, I have to listen. I have to adv- ask for advice. I need people to be critical of me that I trust. I don't have all the answers.
0: And when you're hiring your staff, you want to find somebody that balances your weaknesses with that as their strength. Exactly. Yeah, I enjoy that part too. It's almost mm-hmm. like a puzzle.
1: Yes, it is. You know?
0: And and here's the other thing: just you know, being a small school, you know, you're going to share athletes with football and baseball or you know whatever soccer, right? You know, work with them. Yeah, it's all right for the kids to do other things. You know? What one I thing think I- we might have? <laughs> I'm being serious. The majority. I mean. of our team is right now at soccer or football, and it's awesome. I love it because Mm -hmm. it helps the school. We might have
1: five kids in here tomorrow for open gym.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not only does it help the school,
1: but I learned this from Michael Mayer. When when Michael Mayer was, you know, obviously he's at very high-level football. He's going to be a $100 million man one day, in my opinion. But when he was going through the recruiting process with Notre Dame, the coaches at Notre Dame begged him to play basketball because – it helps him so much athletically. You know, you're using different muscles. You're using, you know, it's hand eye coordination, footwork, everything. And so I think it's a good thing to play other sports. I have no problem with that.
0: When you played here in 18, uh, the 17 18 season, and he was on a team, Vince Marrow, the, the Kentucky, one of the Kentucky coaches and recruiting coordinator, was here in the stands to watch him play. Now, he didn't play in a game, but he came to show support. And the fact that he knew that he was a multi-sport athlete, yeah. So I appreciate you coming on, brother.
1: Hey, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, it'll be it. weird to to hear to listen to myself once you guys You'll put hate this it. up. Is that is I that what it. it usually happens?
0: I hate it. I hate listening. The early the early episodes, I actually I had to stop listening a long time ago because the early episodes was just turned me off to it. But it was the only way that I. It was like watching a film of your team. It was the only way that I could figure out where um, I could find ways to get better. And, you know, I there were always, like I just did it right now, I always say, you know. And when I'm listening, other people are saying it too. But I only notice it when I do it. Mm-hmm. It would make me crazy. <laughs> or the ums. You know, it's like the football podcast we do. Love the football, the New York Kentucky football show. I love it. Because it's got nothing to do with the fe- with us. We are not promoting anything for us. We talk about every football team in Northern Kentucky, all the way down. You know, I mean, not Grant County or down to like Pendleton County or whatever, but especially all the ninth region schools and the Northern Kentucky Conference teams. We talk about their stats, their highlights. It's about them. It promotes them. Uh, and Joe Daneman does it with us, and it's been really successful. I love Joe Daneman, by the way. He's, dude. He's so good. He's at so what he good. does. And we did the first episode. This is—I'm not kidding you. We did the first episode last summer. It was we had done two podcasts. Uh, we did the football officials, and then we did. Oh, we had we had uh, Coach Eric Turner, who's the football coach here. He came in here and did a did a one-on-one interview for the football show for the football podcast to talk about the team. And and then we had to wait for Joe. We had to wait like an hour and a half, two hours for Joe's son's baseball game. So it was like, it was dark. It was August and it was dark by the time we got here. And then we, we went and did the show. And as I loaded everything and was starting to edit, it was awful. It was terrible. And we had been podcasting by this point, maybe a month and a half, two months. And I had to go, I spent, and I can't even tell you hours, just going through every play, stop, edit, cut out, You know, it was a different format than what you've been doing. Exactly, you know? it, took it was a lot nothing. of editing, a lot of changes. So. Yeah, and so the I mean, I get it. Like, so you know, you have the ability to do it. I don't. Like, I might cut out dead air, but other than that, I usually just let it fly. But I mean, I
1: think one of the episodes you had Mo Eager on, and yeah. his big thing he kept saying during that episode that you had with him is radio is all about trial and error. You know, he goes, "I think what what do you go to the University at Dayton, Dayton when he was like." Studying radio, and he goes, "Man, I would, I would hate to hear what I sounded like in those days." And he goes, "But you only get better, like everything else, from repetition and from That's from it. doing it."
0: About two months ago, I went back and I tried to listen to the first podcast we did. I turned it off thirty seconds in. It was terrible. It sounded like this, and it was, just, it was a real slow and I hated it. So you're gonna hate it, but hopefully you did well. Thank you. You did well. You're gonna do well. You're a great young man, and.
1: Haven't been interviewed too many times yeah, in my life, I will be honest. A couple times on the radio back in the Erskine days, maybe, but that's when you're player of well, the game. Well, you're going to be, you got
0: Terry. Yeah. it's going to be broadcasting your games. You might have the post game interview. My, my,
1: my only interview experience came if I was player of the game, and that happened maybe once or twice because of my dang brother being in the way. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah he
0: sucked. <laughs> he was so good. He was really good. Really good. So, well, congrats on the, the wedding, number Thank one. Thank you. And, Congrats on the big job, brother. Appreciate you it. you got any questions for Jeremy, he's got a, you know, just bought a house, new baby.
1: Maybe we'll talk after the show. Yeah.
0: Better. Okay. That's usually when the best stuff happens, right? If only that stuff was recorded. <laughs> Over well, the fifty. We can't record that kind of yeah, stuff. But yeah, but if we 55 could, five episodes, yeah, fifty-four episodes prior, our the, listenership would probably <laughs> yeah, quadruple. That's, that's <laughs> the best stuff right there. So, Casey sorrell new basketball coach at Holy Cross. Really appreciate you, brother. Thank you.